Hello, Marvelites. Welcome to another very special episode of This Week in Marvel. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M, Executive Editorial Director for Marvel's Digital Media Group, joined by... Blake Garris, Associate Producer, and we are joined by my literal favorite actor of all time, Michael K. Williams. Oh, man. Thank you. Thank you. All transparency's sake, again, you're the greatest actor ever. Taking the tour, I saw a lot of people were freaking out over meeting you, so I don't feel so bad. Man, I'm freaking out. I'm at the Marvel lab right now. I can't believe this. You know, growing up as a kid, looking up to so many of the great heroes that I've watched coming up at Marvel, to be in the room where it all happens, like, you guys have me in the Hulk room. <laughs> I'm walking around with the Thor hammer. You know, it's just like I'm reliving my childhood. Yeah, you guys have both done very well in keeping control. What was the uh, coolest part about the tour? Oh, God, where do I begin? I mean... The coolest part about the tour is that I got to walk around with the Thor hammer. <laughs> you know, to be so up close and personal with the process of how much work goes into the comics, you know, and then to see all the artwork on the walls and the color, it kind of does something to my psyche. I'm tweaking right now, like if I had like a big dose of sugar, you know. <laughs> It was cool because one of the first people you met here was Axel Alonso, who's our Marvel Comics Editor-in-Chief. And one of the things that he's done, and I, we've talked about this as your did your tour, he has used Omar as a point of reference for our creators, for our editors, for people who are interested in him trying to express how important it is to have a fully fleshed out character. What a great character can do to a story and how it can really blossom. You guys had a great conversation about like basketball and you were talking about your shows and all that stuff. You know, that was really funny that he would say that because, you know, I always considered Omar as my Spider-Man suit. If you look at some of my earlier interviews, you'll see that I said that on more than one occasion. My personal challenges in life growing up as a kid, I looked at superheroes. I guess I'm not the only one. I wish I was Batman. I wish I was Spider-Man. I wish I was the Hulk. And now as an adult, I realize why I identify with these characters so much because there was something broken about these people that I identified with, but through their brokenness they found the strength to fight and to just be strong i don't have superhuman strength but i found a way to be strong within the arts and to find myself so it's kind of weird and you know then you look at someone like omar who is fearless who beats the odds who does things that no one else does he's a superhero in a sense when i was getting in character it was kind of like that was my spider-man suit and on a personal level, I had to kind of separate the lines because the lines got blurred for me at one point where you walk down the street, everybody was calling me Omar, and that felt better than when people was calling me Mike because <laughs> Mike is corny. <laughs> so I was like, I kind of like this Omar, don't wear this all day. But, you know, you got to take the mask off sometimes and just kind of depress some everything because it's, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> you got to learn how to just separate from that sometimes. I love what you said about the characters fighting through all their problems because that's very much what Marvel is about. It. Flawed characters becoming more than they could have been than they probably should have been under circumstances, rising above everything and utilizing what's in themselves to become more. That's it. Right that, that's my life story. You know, Tony Stark's 
his heart problems. Peter Parker, the dorky kid that got picked on a lot. Boy, do I identify with that. <laughs> Batman, the loner who was never understood. The little rich kid whose family didn't love him or grew up in that massive wealth and felt misunderstood. And, you know, I just identified with the superheroes on so many different levels and their personal stories, their personal struggles. But, boy, when they put those suits on, they became something larger than life. And I just wanted to be that, man. I just wanted to find my suit, my Superman suit, my Spider-Man suit. You mentioned Omar can compare to some Marvel characters. You also are great in Boardwalk Empire as Chalky. You compare him to any Marvel characters? Interesting. If Chalky, if I was to compare him, it would probably be someone like a Tony Starks. Chalky deals with so much in his world. He's the politician in some parts. He's the gangster in other parts. And he has to keep these two worlds together, the black world and his world when he deals with Nucky. And like Tony... Tony Starks, people perceive him one way, but then, you know, really, he just wants what's right. He has the media coming at him one way, his corporation, people tell him what to do, and he just, no, I just want to do what's right. And then he has his issue with his heart ailment, where Chalky, his heart is also his problem. His heart can get him killed if he's not careful, because he cares about people, but he can't let you see that. So, in a weird way, I would kind of compare those two. That's cool. Awesome. Yeah. I gotta say, I've read tons of interviews with you. I've seen tons of video interviews. Everybody says how nice of a guy you are compared to Omar. Everybody Thank loved you. You, you were just the warmest guy in the world. And it's so true. It's even more true than what I read. You guys don't understand it. the impact you have on people. I'm at the Marvel comic this is the headquarters of where it happens. I'm very flattered to be asked to come here. I got an inside look at the characters that helped to raise me. I grew up watching and loving. Every year, if I wasn't Spider-Man, I was Batman. Or, you know, I did the Superman thing a little bit. But I remember, like, how much I fell in love with the Hulk. I just can't explain to you. Coming here and seeing all of this, it's like you kind of let me relive my childhood in a sense. And even Thor with his hammer, you know, and how he it was kind of like the prodigal son... He had to find his way back to his strength, being ripped from his power. I really, I didn't know why I was identifying with these characters so much as a child, but as an adult, I do. And so for you to, to invite me here and to let me see the process, I'm very flattered. I think you could come probably every day. You could just hang out. We'll yeah. get you a cube. There's a cube behind me. I went, you know, so this is a great place to escape. When you want to escape <laughs> the world, you know, just come to the Marvel comics. You know what I mean? Speaking of Incredible Hulk, you were in the Incredible Hulk film? Yeah, I was in the Incredible Hulk. Ed Norton, I believe he wrote that script. He worked on it. He yeah, worked yeah. on it. The scene was bigger than, I guess, the studio could allow in the final edit. But um, when I run out the apartment when everything is going down, I started running with the rest of the crowd and I got trapped between the Hulk and the Abomination. So I was like, this is obviously some family shit going on here. I'm, you know, I really don't have nothing to do with this. You know, me and my brother, we fight all the time. And, you know, my moms can't break us up either. And so the Abomination, I could see that he had a little more of an attitude. So I looked at the Hulk. I said, you know what? I don't like him. Go kick his ass. <laughs> you know, and then the Hulk goes running down the street to go get the abomination. That's that big fight. Yeah. But I guess, I guess I shouldn't have said go kick his ass. <laughs> Probably would have kept the damn scene. But it's um, such a heartbreaker. I was so hurt when they cut that. I didn't think that people would even see me. If you blink, you'd miss me. But I got a lot of like, hey, you were in the Hulk. I was like, yeah, I was. <laughs> That's awesome. Did you like the Avengers? Did you get to see the Avengers? Absolutely. You guys. Once again, I don't think you realize the impact you had. What I really like about the Avengers is I saw it coming years ago. You released these movies, like the stepping stones that Marvel took. 
to the release of the Avengers, it was like this movie had no choice but to be a smash. You know, from the Iron Mans to the Hulks to the Thors, you know, all these separate movies, they were building blocks, and then to put them all together and build this alliance, the Avengers, it was just, oh, my God. It, it, <laughs> it blew my mind, man. I, I was like, you know, we talked about that earlier. Like, you know, can you imagine what a 10-year-old kid was felt like coming out of the theater seeing that, like, take me to the toy store now! <laughs> you know what I mean? It's crazy, but I, actually, I'm planning on going to see it again. Actually. Nice. I didn't get to see it in 3D, so I think I'm going to experience that. You got to see it then. Like, yeah. Definitely got to see gonna it I'm going to experience again. it in 3D. Yeah, I've, uh, I'm doing all our social media, and I handle the Avengers Twitter and Marvel Twitter and everything. I see that there's some fans who have seen today. I saw I saw it three times. I saw it five times. I saw it seven times. One person, Pat Loika, who's one of our listeners. What up, Pat? 25 times. You got to. Legit. I'm going to see it again. It's that story of triumph and good over evil. You know, just I'm, I'm a sucker for that stuff. Yeah. And we're going to try and get you in to see Spider-Man with us next week. Come to the big Marvel screening with the family and everything. I would love that, man. I would love that. I'm kind of just sitting around waiting for it to drop. You get to see it early. It's always fun. I am not complaining. <laughs> I'm not complaining. Yeah. I have to also say, I love what you're doing with the new Spider-Man. That was really brave to make him half black and half Hispanic. Miles is his name. Miles Morales. It made me feel good. You know, I might be the next Spider-Man <laughs> after Andrew. <laughs> there was a press conference where Andrew actually... He talks about Spider-Man and he says, you know what, and then after me, maybe the next Spider-Man will be, you know, an awesome younger black actor who then can take on Miles' role or something. He said something along those lines. It was like, cool, it's like, you pass the torch. Spider-Man is bigger than any of us. Yeah. Spider-Man, like, you know, you grow up, you just, you see Spider-Man with the mask on. It doesn't matter. You, whoever you are, you picture yourself as Spider-Man. That's and what it's, I do. It's great that, like, more people can see him outside the mask, too. Really important. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, there's a Spider-Man in all of us. You know? Yes, there is. What are you working on now? Right now, we're currently in production for season three for Boardwalk Empire. It's due out sometime this fall. And um, I've been really chopping away at my production company. I'm releasing my first effort from Freedom Productions, which is the name of my company. The name of the film is called Snow on the Bluff. It's dropping this June 19th. I'm really excited about it. I had a great conversation with your manager earlier, and he said Marvel fans will love that movie. It's edgy. Very edgy. Uh -huh. It's very edgy. I call it the Blair Witch Project meets the hood. The lines of reality are kind of blurred in this film. They're calling it found footage, if you will. It's like the opening shot of the movie is these suburban kids go to the hood because they want to cop some coke. And goes really <laughs> wrong <laughs> that's just the opening shot of the movie and like they filming themselves going to the hood to buy some coke and the main actor in the film is Curtis Snow he takes the camera from them and then like he forgot to hit the off switch so you get this voyeuristic view mm. into this world, this area of Atlanta called The Bluff, hence the name Snow on okay. the Bluff. It's real edgy, it's dark, it's funny. Some of it is very funny, you have to laugh. Some of it is sad, you know, but um, I'm really happy about it. Nice. What are your roles in, with the film? Is it producer, director? I know, I do not want to direct. That's way too complicated. <laughs> I just like getting beautiful people in the room and giving them an idea and then, okay, go run, run, run with it. Make, you know, let's make it happen. <laughs> No, I just executive produced the crew down in Atlanta, did the, the legwork. Damian Russell, uh, director, he did an amazing job. You also do a lot of charity work, too. You yes, I talk do. talk about that a little bit? I am 
on the I guess I'm the, on the creative director's board of uh, Urban Arts Partners. I partnered with Rosie Perez, and what we do is we keep the arts in the inner city school systems of New York City. We work with all sorts of underserviced kids from underserviced communities, you know, whatever, black, white, Puerto Rican, mostly high school students, and we expose them to the arts. We do master classes with them. We go to the schools. We'll get a few students. They'll write plays. We'll cast it with the students. Directors, which is normally a student, will just kind of guide them. We have life stories classes where we make the kids write about what they've been through, whatever going on in their life, to write a story about it. Poetry, huge part of what we do. Just recently, Will I Am, or should I say the Black Eyed Peas, they have this organization in L.A. called the Peapod Academy, where they was going into the inner city community of Los Angeles and building these academies and got the fine people of Adobe to come in and just furnish it with all the top of the line equipment and then expose these kids to it, right? So they partnered with us and we have our first Peapod Academy slash Urban Arts Partners location here in Chinatown in Manhattan. And the building is beautiful and it's just so much potential in there, all the equipment. And these kids are just like, you can see, you give your money to organizations, I don't know how often you actually get to see the effects of what your money is going to. I don't have a lot of money, but I do have time. So I give my time to these kids, and as a payback, I get to see, because I'm there, I get to see the effects. When the money does come in, I see what the money is going to. I see what my spending time with them is doing and I see how they're blossoming. And we have all sorts of like curriculums right now. We're doing this fresh prep program where we're integrating music and like rap specifically with a certain curriculum so that these kids can get better test scores to make it easier, more digestible for them to study for their Regency's exams. It's like House of Rock on steroids. <laughs> you remember that? I'm just a bill on Capitol Hill, you know. We're doing that, and then we have our once-a-year annual fundraiser, our big 24-hour play where we call a lot of the big boys from Hollywood to come on stage for a day and make an ass out of themselves <laughs> because you have 24 hours to write, cast, learn your lines, block, and then from like 8 o'clock in the morning, you have, you know, then 8 o'clock at night, we're on stage. So we get big names to come in. If you're not afraid to make a fool of yourself on stage, come on down to 24-hour play. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> awesome. We do it at once a year on Broadway. But, you know, I, I have aspirations to start my own organization soon. My thing, what I, I'm going to do eventually is build community centers in the hood, you know, like Newark, Baltimore, you know, Brownsville, Brooklyn. I just want to just create a safe haven for kids after school, on their way home, if you want to stop off somewhere, come to MKW, which stands for Making Kids Win. That's in the works right now, but you know, I'm taking my time with that. That's awesome. Snow, I'll give you some comics. You can, yeah, exactly. If they want something to read, yeah, take yeah. their mind off That's whatever's my, going down. My only three rules, my cardinal rules are no violence, no drugs, and no video games, but I'm always down for the comics because comics enforces reading, so I'm down with that. So you know nothing I mean? Omar did. He Omar, didn't play video games. And I he guess. didn't do drugs, neither. Yeah, he didn't do... Well, no. Yeah, right. Omar didn't get high. Omar didn't curse, neither. Yeah, he sold them. Or he, he stole them. He stole them. Yeah. But he threw most of them away, and he, yeah. and he only sold them for information or something to hinder another nemesis. It wasn't like he was putting the money in his pocket, mm-hmm. you know, coming from... 
That's true. Blake, yeah. I don't think you should tell him what his character was doing. I mean, I mean, I'm, saying, I'm, like, I'm just freaking out talking to him about this. This is amazing. Yeah. Thank you for this. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you. you know. Thank you. Where can uh, fans find you? Are you on Twitter? I know. I'm right? on Twitter all day, every day. You can reach me at BKBMG. BKBMG. That stands for Brooklyn Boy Makes Good. Nice. I like that. Yeah. Very good. Awesome. Thank, thank you, Michael. You, man. Yeah, thank I appreciate you. it. No doubt. I got a second home at Marvel. Yes, you do. Yeah. <laughs> this is Marvel, your universe. <laughs> <laughs>